0: And five six seven eight cut what's up everybody welcome to the queue where we got all your questions quirks, and q-tips about life i'm your host key and thank you for joining me on today's podcast adventure now let's gear up hello all you lovely people uh, here we are at episode nine um, I apologize for getting the episode out late, um, I just had some things that I needed to attend to yesterday, um, but I'm here now, and, and this episode is, uh, pretty personal to me, so, you know, if you're doing anything important, I suggest you stop, <laughs> take a break, sit down, um, you know, strap in and, and get your popcorn ready, because this episode is, a uh, It's going to take you some places, potentially. Um, And so this episode is titled Know That Self. Um, And this episode, I really just wanted to talk a little bit more about how someone can go about beginning to really kind of like turn inward and think about what's going on for them. Um, It's for me, it's been something I've been doing. Um, for the past few years, um, so I'm 27 now, and I've probably been doing this since I was, like, maybe 14, um, and of course not at the same scale that I'm doing it now, because when I was 14, things were a lot different for me then, um, but I I really started to go inward, like, uh, aggressively, Uh, Probably, probably when I first left for college. Um, Because that was where a lot of things tended to kind of crop up on me that I didn't really expect. Um, And I learned a lot about myself um, when I finally was able to leave home and not be around my family for an extended period of time. Um, But I've always been questioning things about myself um, since I can remember. Um, and like, for those of you that don't know, um, in, in minority cultures, there is a lot of dysfunction, um, within family systems. Um, that's not to say they're all like that, but in a lot of them, there's a lot of dysfunction. Um, and so in my family in particular, there is a lot of dysfunctional shit. (laughs) A lot. Um, There's also a lot of toxic shit. Now, in my opinion, everything that is dysfunctional is not necessarily um, also toxic. And vice versa. Um, So an example could be that... I don't know. Maybe you live in a house with your grandparents. And your grandparents are... You know trying to be the heads of household but it's your parents house and your parents are taking care of your grandparents that's not necessarily toxic your grandparents like they're still part of the family they still have you know a say there because they are living there too but your parents are the people who are providing for everyone else and so it is dysfunctional for your grandparents to try to overshadow your parents in their own home um versus something that's toxic, like if there's a family member that, you know, can't be left alone with little kids, and people are constantly leaving little kids with this person, that's both toxic and dysfunctional, um, and it's, it's, it's not something that should be happening. Um, now, again, something that's toxic, but might be well-meaning like a lot of parents will kind of shut their kids down about various things. Um, and, and in the parents' mind, they are trying to spare their kid from heartache or heartbreak or dashed hopes and dreams, whatever it is, they have they in their mind they have a good reason for doing what they're doing but it's coming out wrong. The way that they're going about it is toxic, but it's not necessarily dysfunctional because they, they in their own way, they have your best interest at heart. They're just going about it um, in a way that's not productive for both parties. Um, now, in my family specifically, like I said, there was a combination of toxicity, um, dysfunction, um, but also, at times, some split loyalty. Um, and I say that because there are certain people in my family who... Things have happened, and while some family members have their opinions about what have happened, nobody will actually speak up about the things that go on or or really do much of anything about the things that have gone on. Um, And so when other people are pointing things out, like, hey, this seems odd, or, hey, do you ever notice that there's always tension between person A and person B Or person A and group A, and everybody knows it's there, but nobody wants to say anything about it. Um, And so, growing up in my family was very difficult, um, and I've always felt that I was very different from most of my family. Um, I'm very quiet, very reserved. Um, I don't really like to have a lot of uh, openness with my social circle. Um, or even with the people that are closest to me, I'm, I'm generally a private person. Um, and, and the rest of my family is not. They're very much like, on the outside, they appear to be very extroverted people. They are um, very social people. They like to like have parties and gatherings and things like that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's just that was never me. That was never my thing. Um, and that's on both sides of my family. So no matter which side of the family I was on, I still kind of always felt like the odd man out. Um and when I was younger that used to bother me a lot because I didn't really have a voice then, um, to really kinda talk about those kinds of things and why it bothered me, but at the same time I I didn't have any agency either because I was younger. Um so not only did I not know how to express the fact that it bothered me, even if I had the words to express what I was feeling, I was gonna get shot down anyway because I was a child and a child is supposed to stay in a child's place so I really felt um, kind of uh, shut in most of my life so to speak uh, with a lot of the ways that I felt I could express myself um, I felt very limited in those things Um, and so the times that I was able to kind of use my self-expression as a positive outlet, um, they ended up turning into negative uh, coping skills because they were things that I would use to avoid problems and avoid situations, um, even though for me, in, in certain situations, it was, it was surviving, but it was also like not setting myself up for further harm. Um, so it was survival to get past the situation, but also safety for any future incidents that may happen. Um, and when, you're, when your upbringing looks like that, or, or has elements of that, it is very difficult as you start to become an adult, as you start to become older, to reconcile with some of the thoughts that you have about what you've been told as a child, and how you're supposed to respond to things, or how you're supposed to act about things, and... For me, a lot of that was just being told that I couldn't feel particular ways. Um, And so a lot of the time when people would ask me how I felt about stuff, even if I had an opinion, I just wouldn't tell them. Or I would tell them that I didn't know. Because I knew that as soon as I actually did open my mouth to voice my varied opinion, um, it was either going to get shut down, minimized, or like, invalidated, and so I I just learned to not have an opinion, Um, which is very uh, restrictive for a growing and developing person in today's world, um, to not have your own personal opinion about something, Um, and so that kind of lasted up until I left for college And I want to say, um, like, around that time, I think, I believe I turned 17, it was, like, just after my 17th birthday, and someone asked me, how does it feel to be 17, you're almost 18, you're almost an adult, what do you feel like? And my honest answer to them was, it feels worse, like, the closer I get to adulthood, it feels worse. Because I know that as I get closer to adulthood, there's going to be more restrictions that are placed upon me because I'm, while, while developmentally I'm moving towards a place of open self-expression as a, as a developing adult, my family is keeping me in a place where I'm still developmentally childlike. Um, and, and that's not okay. And so the, the closer I get to actually having my freedom, the the more boxed in I feel um, by other things that are going on. Um, and so for me, getting older, just seemed like there were more chains, more walls, more things that I had to fight against, in order to be able to, to even affirm the fact that I was an adult, um, or getting to that point in my life. And I remember being in college, it was either my first or second year there, and I had started counseling for an unrelated matter, and I remember the therapist asking me, how old do you feel when you're at home? And it's something that I will never forget because at the time that question was so profound for me, I didn't even realize that it was a thing. Like, I didn't even realize that when I was in that environment that I wasn't acting developmentally where I was. Um, I I was almost in a regressed state, so to speak. Um, And at the time, I was, mm, I don't know, I was maybe 19, 20, 21. And when she asked me that question, I was like, I feel like I'm 12. You know, I feel like I'm 10. I feel like nobody nobody understands what it is like, and I feel like I can't even tell them. I feel like I have no power. I feel like I have no agency. I feel like I have no voice. And ever since that day, like, I... It, things have just been different when I turned twenty one I made a commitment to myself that i wasn't going to i i i just i wasn't going to do that anymore I wasn't going to keep pushing myself down for other people um, and, and I'm still working on that you know i I've definitely grown in that area, but it's something that I'm still working on and I know that right now the 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 best way that I know how to do it right now is to detach from people, places, things, and that's not always the best either. Um, which is probably why I'm in therapy, but but and, and I do detachment very, very well, um, very well. If if people don't want to be here, uh, nobody's forcing you. There's the door. Go. Um, and and if you don't want to go, I'm going. I'll be the one to go. I'll be the bad guy. I don't have any problems with that. Um. But yeah, so college was really a place where I was able to have real independence um, and and to finally be able to kind of take a step back and look at all of the generational baggage um, that I was carrying around that wasn't mine. A lot of it wasn't mine. Um, Some of it became mine through other means, but being being able to separate what was mine and, and what wasn't was very important. Um, and so my first two years of college were very, um, very informative, uh, but also very problematic in, in various ways. And my junior year was really a year that I felt like I turned a corner and I started to really think about what it was that I wanted from my life, what I wanted when I graduated college, all the things that. You know really mattered and, and what was going to be the catalyst of, of me being able to be out on my own and, and and finally living my life the way that I wanted to and, and not um, per anyone else's requirements or per anyone else's scrutiny and i I made a plan um, I made a plan that after college I was going to stay in the town that my college was in. Um, I was going to get an apartment with a couple of my friends. And um, I had found a couple places, told my friends about it, and, you know, they were on board. And we went to go look at some of these apartments one day. uh, We found one that we liked. Um, There were still, like, some, you know, loose ends that we had to tie up. But, you know, obviously the biggest thing was going to be financials. And I asked my mom for help uh, to kind of, like, get myself off the ground there. Um, and she told me no, which is fine. And I was like, okay, well, how else can I, you know, I started, I had to think about how else can I get this done. And, you know, that ended up falling through and I had to go back home. Um, and for those of you that don't know, I'm originally from New Jersey. And that was the last thing I wanted to do. I I did not want to go back home because after spending... Practically four years away from them, um, I had really kind of carved out a space for myself, um, where I was, um, with the campus community, with partly the local community because my work study job was in the was in town. Um, and I just I, I felt like that that was my home. That was the place where I felt comfortable enough to be myself um, or, or the person that I was. Then and that was a place that I felt that I really had the space to really start doing some self exploration and you know and really just discovering who I was as a person aside from being you know a part of this family or a part of this group of people and but but I didn't have a choice um so I went home um to Jersey and I was gearing up to find a job, Um, and in the process of doing that, I realized that the job that I had always wanted, seemingly, or the job that I thought that I had wanted, um, wasn't what I wanted anymore. Um, I got a job doing what I wanted using my bachelor's degree, Um, and I did it for a week, and I resigned. Um, Now I was told I could resign or they were going to fire me. So, so I resigned. Um, And I would say that that was more about the job, like the nature of that job and like the way the company um, set the job up rather than the job itself. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I could have found another job doing what I liked to do um, at a different company with different um, standards and, and, and that sort of thing. And I would have been fine. But it took me so long to find that first job. And in the process of trying to find that job, there were so many um, other things going on behind the scenes that was really just wearing at my mental health. Um, and so after that, that that constant stream of negativity, again, about not having um, a job and being able to contribute to the household Um, kind of started up again and I was just like "I, I I can't do this like I need to be I need to find something that's going to allow me to put myself in a place where I can leave here because if this is what it's going to be like I really don't want to stay here at all for any reason and the contrast between living with my family again and being at college was drastically different especially after Four years of you know broadening my mind, expanding my horizons, learning all this new stuff about myself, meeting new friends, meeting new people, um, kind of living a a, a different lifestyle um, because the area that I went to school in and the area that I grew up in were two very different areas, um, and so there were definitely different ways of living and going back to that previous environment with the toxicity and with the dysfunction and seeing no growth or no change was very, very, very upsetting for me because I was like, I just spent four years practically like becoming a different person and you guys spent four years doing what? Like, you mean to tell me in the four years that I've been gone, no one's changed at all? Not even a little bit? Um, and so I had a lot of anger about things um, going back home and it seemed like I was the woke person in my household Um, and I don't I don't mean that as like oh I had an education and so I, I thought I was better than everybody I didn't it was just there were to me there are certain fundamental right and wrong things and some of those things were things that members of my family and I could not agree on and I was just like I don't understand this is either one way or the other like there are some things in life that are just black and white right or wrong there are other things like there's a lot of stuff that's in that gray area but there are some things that are just it's right and it's wrong and you you won't tell me otherwise um and the difference there is that I'm able to dis- to have those discussions I'm able to agree to disagree with my family members and I'm able to say you know what fine if you want to believe that you believe that but that's not what I believe but I respect your your you know your right to believe whatever it is you have going on 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 your end um, now there are certain family members who I'm just like, no F you, I won't listen to anything you say because you, you don't even want to hear the other side of the argument. Like you just want to be right. And so I I can't, I, I can't hold a discussion with you. I can't conversate with you. I can't talk to anybody like that because you're not even willing to listen. Um, you're not even willing to hear another perspective on the matter. And so going back home and being there, it was just like, okay, well, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I didn't have a car at the time when I first went back home. So that made a whole bunch of things more difficult. Um, And the buses around our area only went to certain places and they stopped at a certain time. And so if you had to get connecting buses, it was really difficult because there was one bus that was, always late, habitually late, and so like sometimes I would have to call people to come and get me from places because the first bus was late so I missed my second bus. It it was a whole thing. Um it was a whole thing. And so I was like, okay, well first things first I'm gonna need a car. You know, I have I have this new job and, you know, it's it's allowing me to have a couple extra dollars. Like I think I can make a car happen. And so I started looking for a car and I was just like, okay, you know, what's going to be my budget here? I figured out my budget. I practically ran, like, all the numbers I thought I could run. I basically made, like, this nice little proposal. And, you know, I, you know, presented my case and basically was told no. And, again, it wasn't that I was asking them to do everything for me. I was just like, here's the situation. Here's what I can contribute can you help me out? And the answer was always no. And so I was like, okay, fine. I'll just have to save a little bit longer or whatever. Um, so then my grandma ended up saying that she would help me out. And again, in in a lot of minority families, there are dysfunctional things that go on. Um, and so it's, it's the, it's the reciprocal energy that isn't really there, um, it's the passive-aggressive comments, it's the, well, we're family, so you have to X, it's the, this is how you treat me, and I'm your so-and-so, insert relative relationship here, it's a whole lot of things, um, and, and I, don't, I don't live my life that way. I don't, I don't love people on conditions. I don't, um, I don't love my friends on conditions. Um, if I say I'm going to help you, I'm going to help you. No questions asked. Um, I'm not going to be hounding you later about, oh, remember when I did this for you? I, no. If I help you, I'll help you. If you do the same for me, that's on you. But if I say I'm going to help you, I'm going to help you. So did that. Got my car. was very grateful. It needed a couple, like, uh, it, it needed some work done on it before I could, like, officially drive it, which is fine. We knew that when we got the car. Um, Did all of that and, um, you know, got me set up with insurance, blah, blah, blah. I had my car. And on more than one occasion, there were comments made about, what I was doing with my car. Um, And I was confused because aside from the actual purchase of the car, I paid for everything else that went into it. I paid the gas. I paid the insurance. um, Any maintenance that needed to be done, I paid for it. Um, I kept it clean. Like, I wasn't abusing my car in any way. And so it was just baffling (laughs) that people had comments about how I was being responsible. Like that was a problem that I was being responsible. Um which is funny right because if you think about it like your <laughs> your family teaches you that being responsible is what you're supposed to do. That's what they want for you to do. They want you to stay on top of things. Um and I, and I thought I had been doing that, but apparently not. Um uh, and I say that to say that there's always going to be people who have something negative to say. Um People like to talk, and they're going to talk regardless. Whether you're doing the right thing, whether you're doing the wrong thing, they're always going to have a comment to throw in. And so you can't let that stop you from doing what you want to do. You can't let that get you down. You can't let that break your spirit. You just got to be like, all right, that's what they're going to do. They're going to talk, but I'm going to keep it moving. I'm going to keep pushing, and I'm going to do what I need to do to get to where I want to go. So got my car, and the job that I had at the time, it was at a um, a local establishment, and I was like, okay, the hours here, they're pretty good. I worked nights, which was perfect for me because everybody knows I'm a night owl, so I was like, cool, this is good. I have my whole day to like plan out other things that I want to be doing, and then at work, I can be working, making my money, that sort of thing, and originally, the plan was to stay at the job that I was at for a little bit, um, kind of work my way up a bit, save up some more money, and then um, be able to go back to my college town. Um, and so in the process of like uh, spending my mornings and stuff looking up information about various things, I realized that for what I wanted to do at the time, um, my college town didn't have that many opportunities. And so I was like, okay, well, where else can I go that would allow me to do what I want to do? Um, and all the other places that I looked, um, it didn't really seem like there were many opportunities for me to just do what I wanted to do. Um, it, was, it was what I wanted to do, but it was like coupled with other things that I didn't have knowledge of or that I didn't have training in. And that's not to say that I didn't want to learn those things. Um, It just wasn't something that I was interested in. Um, It wasn't something that I felt I was going to have the time to try and learn before I did them. Um, And they were very, like, meticulous things. Um, And so originally I wanted to be a copywriter. And a lot of the jobs that I had found at the time, um, also, like, like, you were a copywriter and, like, the marketing person all in one. And so they wanted somebody who had... A business degree with like copywriting experience, um, or like someone who had a corporate communications degree, um, which is basically like a business degree and a and a a copywriting like degree, like all in one. so like it's like both business and writing together. And I knew that I could do the writing part. Um, I didn't know enough about the business side to be able to do one of those jobs properly. Um, and in my experience, a lot of business writing is very specific, um, it's not open-ended, it's not abstract, it's, it's very focused, and I didn't have any resources at the time to help me learn that business portion of it, so my next thought was, okay, you know, well, if I can't use my, if I can't use my English degree right now, then what else am I interested in, and I minored in psychology, so maybe I can use that, um, and I got that from my grandfather on my dad's side, um, his degree was in, I don't even remember what it was in, but he started teaching, um, and what he started teaching in was actually his minor, um, and so, and he taught for a number of years, um, And that worked out for him, you know, and that provided stability for him. And so I was like, okay, well, if I can't make my major work, like I I got a minor for a reason, I'm still interested in this thing. I just didn't have time to like double major in this. And so maybe there's something out there that I can use my minor knowledge and experience with. And so I started looking into different avenues about, you know, what was out there. And I knew that I wanted to help people. Um, It was just a matter of how I was going to help and what I really wanted to do. And I eventually came to the conclusion, which is like, okay, why don't I, you know, since I I don't have any major job prospects right now, and I can't really move up the line in the current company that I'm at, why don't I go back to school? Why don't I get my master's degree? Um, And so I went through that whole process and figured out what I wanted to do with that and I always knew that I wanted a master's degree. I always knew that. Um, I was knew that I wanted to go to graduate school and get a master's degree. Um, it was just a matter of what I was going to get it in and, and what I was gonna do with it afterwards. Um, so fast forward those two years, I got done with school. And again, the plan, the original plan was to stay. I, I worked at my current, I worked at my then current job Um, while in grad school. um, I just had, like, reduced hours sometimes because of uh, classes and stuff. And the original plan was to go back to working my full schedule um, after I graduated, stay there, save up, you know, rack up some money, and, you know, then plan my move, take some time to plan my move. And I was told uh, when, uh, during my last semester, I was like, well, I was hoping, you know, this is the last time I'm going to be changing my schedule. After graduation, I would like to go back to my normal hours. And I was basically told that I couldn't do that. And I was like, well, I need to work my normal hours to be able to, like, afford my bills and whatnot. And I was basically told, tough luck. So I was like, okay, well, if that is the case, then, you know, um, you know, you, 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 you might as well start looking for my replacement because if I can't work the hours that I was promised, then I, I'm not going to be working here at all. Um, and so like getting that set up. So now the planet changed <laughs> once again, um, and it was just like, okay, now we're going in a different direction. And so what's plan B? Um, and so plan B was to find a job uh, to move to PA and move. So, you know, we, we pushed that up in the timeline um, and move and, and work and have my own place and, and be out on my own. Um and a lot of that happened a lot sooner than I had planned for it to. Um, but circumstances, right? And so during that whole process, it was, you know, that, that age-old question of, what are you going to do when you graduate, kept coming up. And it was just like, I, I said this to you guys, like, four years ago when I graduated the first time. My intention is to go back to PA, That's been my intention. It's going to stay my intention until I've made it a reality. And it wasn't until the week I was leaving that everybody was like, oh, you were serious. Yes, like, <laughs> the, like, ha- have you not been watching me put all these plans in the place for this long? Like, I'm, I'm confused. Um, and so, you know, I moved out. And I got an apartment. Um, It was about 45 minutes from my job, which wasn't too bad. I I always wanted to live separately from where I worked because just work-life balance for me is is easier that way. Um, So I moved out, had my first uh, apartment, all that. My uncle helped me move. And that first night, when I tell y'all, that was the best sleep I've ever had in my life. It was, it was the best sleep I've had in my life. Um, and when you're so used to an environment, when you're in some place new, um, normally people have a hard time dealing with that. And so, although that was one of the best nights of sleep I've ever gotten, when I woke up the next morning, I was so disoriented, um, because I woke up to silence, which was not something I was accustomed to. Um, and I kind of had to like, remember where I was and remember that I was in my own apartment. Um, and that was a little daunting that first morning because I wasn't waking up with all of the dysfunctional things that I was used to waking up to. And so reprogramming myself was a really difficult thing to do because I had to wake up every day and kind of remember that you're not going to have to deal with X, Y, and Z today because you live on your own now and you don't have to deal with that anymore. So you don't have to do all these other things that you used to do for survival or for safety because you're not in that environment anymore. You're not unsafe anymore, so to speak. And, you know, so so that was that. <laughs> and, of course, because it's family, you know, you can't really escape those people. And so the first weekend that I spent in my apartment, my first apartment, um, they came to visit. <laughs> and long story short, I was angry by the time they left for various reasons. Um, And that happened two more times after that. And I made the decision that if I was going to have my peace and quiet, if I was going to maintain my independence, that I had to cut some cords. And I had to protect my space at all costs. Um even if that meant distancing from certain people or detaching from the part of my identity that that remained with my family. Um and I'm still figuring that out. You know, I'm I'm on my own now. Um just day in and day out, going to work, doing what I got to do, and, um, I am in therapy. Uh This is the longest that I've ever been in therapy before. Um, it, it's, I think, almost a year and a half. Uh, yeah, like, this month was, like, a year and a half that I've been in therapy. Uh And it, it's crazy for me to say that out loud, because, um... I, I when I first became a therapist, like and I was told that some people were there for like three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, I was like, how? Like how are people here this long? And are still coming? Like in, in ten years you mean to tell me you haven't talked about a lot of the stuff that's 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 gone on in your life? You know, Um but, you know, having having been working as a therapist now for two years, there are some clients that I've looked back on and I've I've seen them for the entire two years and we still have things to talk about. And so it's like okay, yeah. And and it's only and for most of the clients it's only an hour a week. And so in an hour every week, you know, there is a lot of ground to cover, but there's also those those heavy moments where you're crying, you're really just holding space for the client. Um, And I think it's in those moments, for me, with my own therapist, that I'm able to do the most self-reflection about myself and what, how I'm responding to those things. Um, And for me, my self-reflection process has been... um, like while it's been ongoing it's been something that is a constant thing for me like i don't i don't only do myself reflection in my therapy sessions excuse me um i don't only do my self reflection in my therapy sessions um I try to sit with myself as much as possible outside of my therapy sessions as well because I find for myself those are the moments where i'm really taking what i'm learning in therapy and and being able to apply those things. Those are the times where my therapy is really, um, you know, giving me the most bang for my buck, and being able to apply those techniques and coping skills and different things that I've been learning, those are the things that are allowing me to see the changes within myself, and they're, those are the things that are allowing me to break certain cycles, um, that I've been able to notice and different patterns and things like that and so for me where I'm at right now I'm very much in a place of like my number one priority in anything that I do is to be honest with myself Um, even when it's something I don't like even when it's something I don't want to do even when it's something I don't necessarily agree with I have to be honest with myself about what it is because for so long I spent so much time not being honest with myself, I spent so much time lying to myself, to other people, to appease them, and and to try to be everything that somebody wants me to be, and and that's just not realistic, you can't, you're going to disappoint people, you're going to make mistakes, you cannot be perfect, perfection does not exist, and the more you try to do that, the more you try to fit into somebody's box or multiple boxes that people want you to fit into, the harder you're going to crash and burn and you're not going to understand at the end of it. Well, I don't understand. Um, I'm trying to do X, Y and Z for this person and I'm trying to make them see that I'm who they want me to be. And in reality, you're not who they want you to be because you're not like the The, the fact is, you shouldn't have to try to be something that you're not you should just be able to be yourself whether it's with family friends significant others colleagues whoever you should just be able to be you and be accepted for who you are 100 percent um and now of course you know we all have those people where we're cool with them and there's some parts of them that we don't necessarily like but we're able to still be cordial and appreciate them still for the human being that they are and, and go about our day. Um, not everybody is capable of doing that, unfortunately. And when you decide to open yourself up to someone and to be vulnerable and to show a side of yourself that maybe you've never shown anyone before, you have to be prepared to receive that rejection. You have to be pre- prepared to, to feel that backlash if someone doesn't agree with with what you're showing them. Um, and they have a right to not accept it. They have a right to be mad, upset, sad, whatever they want to feel. They have a right to that, but you also have a right to then decide what you're going to do with that information. Um, Just because they're upset and they're saying, oh, I really wish you wouldn't have said that, or I really wish you were this type of person, doesn't mean that you have to change just because they want you to. If you want to change, that's something different, but don't change yourself just because someone is asking you to. If someone is telling you, hey, I really think you need to take a look at this, take a look at it, like sit down with it, write it out, talk with a therapist, talk with a trusted person, talk with a mentor, whoever you feel like you can go to, to have a safe space to talk that out, talk it out, at least consider it, you know, they wouldn't, most of the time people wouldn't just say, hey, you need to fix this, if they were trying to be vindictive about it especially if they only bring it up once and then never say anything about it again. The people you have to worry about are the people who are constantly telling you that everything you do is wrong and who you are is not compatible with the family values or the family traditions or your friends' traditions or whatever it is that's going on. You don't, the people you have to worry about are the people who are constantly saying you don't fit in all the right boxes. Those are the people that you want to stay away from because those are the people who are going to make you doubt yourself So much to the point where you're not even gonna remember that you had a different opinion afterwards because you're gonna start to believe those things. And because you don't know yourself well enough to say, Well, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but I'm gonna do me, you're gonna fall into that trap of going, Well, you know what? I'm not gonna do this because every time I do this, this person gets hurt, or every time I do this, this person has something to say. And then you start to lose bits of yourself in other people and other things and you start to do things that you know you're not comfortable with that you know is not you at all and you find yourself in a place where you're like how did I get here um and I know for me like I've had a few of those moments where I've just like looked myself in the mirror and go how did I get here how did I let myself get this far down the rabbit hole and not realize what was really happening and so I've had to do a lot of forgiving um not just of other people, but of myself, for putting myself in positions and situations and being associated with people who really didn't have my best interest at heart. And it is okay. Like, it is okay. Like, mistakes are going to be made. Life is a learning process. It is not, you know, there is no manual that that comes with living. And you just have to, sometimes you have to do things and find out the hard way. Uh, I'm not saying purposely do things the hard way. I'm just saying sometimes you are going to make decisions that are not going to be the best and it's going to happen. And what you cannot do is beat yourself up about it later because in most situations, people are just working with the information that they have. And so if you have limited information to begin with and limited access to resources to help you get more information, you're really working on, on a on a thin wire and you can only do the best with what you have. Now, that doesn't excuse having toxic behavior or being abusive or any of those other extreme things. Like, But it should help you to be able to take a step back and realize that, okay, what was going on was you were operating from a place of dysfunction or you were operating from a place of toxicity or you were operating in survival mode or whatever the case was. You to be able to ask yourself those hard questions and go, Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? You know, why do I seem to always be associated with these people? Or why do I always seem to be in these particular situations? And you really have to be able to do that. Like, you have to be able to sit with yourself and ask yourself those hard questions. Because if you don't, you may find that one day someone else is going to be asking you those questions. And if you don't have an answer, it's going to be really hard to understand why the person is saying what they're saying, because clearly they can see something that you can't. And so now your job is to is to look in the mirror and go, okay, is what they're seeing actually there? Do they have a point? And and it's not to it's not to say that anybody who says something critical of you is going to be correct. It's to say, okay, they're saying. They're saying that something is wrong or something is off or something needs to change here. And then it's your job to go and figure out if, they're, if, if that's true or not for you. If you feel something is off, if you feel something needs to change, if you feel something is not right. And if you come back and you go, no, I, I don't think that's correct. I don't, I don't think anything needs to change. I don't think anything needs to be modified here. Then move in your own piece, Move in your own way. And from what I found most of the time in my experience is that if you really need to learn a lesson, the universe will continue to put you in situations where you need to learn the lesson until you learn it. And so even if you, somebody does make observation and they tell you, hey, you might wanna think about this and you go, nah, I don't need to think about it. Nine times out of 10, somebody else is gonna say it later on down the road. And if somebody's saying something enough, again you you got to take a look at okay do they have a point excluding situations of abusive behavior because those are different but you know and, and context matters as well for most things for most things context is important and so if everybody is saying hey you need to make a change and the context is you're always in a situation where you're doing things that are uncharacteristic of yourself, then maybe you do need to make a change. Or you're always making decisions that affect other people, but you're not getting their input, maybe you do need to make a change. Um and, and making good decisions is very hard. It is very hard. Because again, your 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 actions don't only affect you. Even for me, I live alone, so anything I do regarding my house, regarding um, my income flow, like, while it, while it, surface-wise, only affects me, because I'm the only one that lives in my house, down the line, it could affect another party. Um, point being, I want a dog someday, and so I'm going to have to get to a place where my financial situation allows me to provide for a dog. I'm going to have to buy dog food. I'm going to have to buy toys, bowls, leashes, be able to pay for vet visits, all of that. Um, And so even though right now, the decisions that I make are not affecting the non-existent dog, in the long run, if I'm going to be setting things up in the future, then the decisions I make now need to be made with that future prospect in mind, um, which, which leads me to planning ahead. So if you know you're the person that deals with things in the moment, you may not see planning ahead as a, as a beneficial thing. But I guarantee you, it is. in my experience, it's always been better to have a plan that I need to modify rather than not having a plan and needing to scramble to figure something out. Um, you know, so the the plans that I usually make are, are outlines, if you will, the very loose ideas of, uh, the directions that I'm hoping to go. And if, and when they need to change, they can change. But at the very least, I know a basis or a foundation of what I'm hoping to get out of my experiences. So, I would just say to anyone out there who is struggling with finding themselves, um, discovering themselves, knowing themselves, just take your time. It's not going to be something that happens overnight, um, especially if you've had a toxic upbringing or a dysfunctional upbringing um, or even a a dysfunctional adulthood at this point. Like, It's something that's going to take time. And the the number one most important thing you can do with yourself throughout your self-exploration is be honest. If you don't like something, say you don't like it. If you're all about something, say you're all about it. If you're undecided and you don't have enough information yet, say you don't have enough information. It's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know is a valid answer. Silence is a valid answer. Um, speaking up when you want to speak up is a valid answer. And so whatever situation you find yourself in, if you want to express yourself do that. Do what makes you feel most comfortable. Um, because that's going to be the staple of knowing yourself is being able to speak up when you, when you encounter something that is not yourself, you need to speak up to be able to say, this isn't me, or I'm not about this, or I'm not going to be a part of this. Um, and when things are you and people try to criticize them, you need to be able to speak up and say, no, this is what I'm about. If you don't like it, you know, th- you, you have a right to your feelings, but I'm going to be over here doing my own thing because this is what I'm about. Um, And, and, and you know, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Um, wise words from Eleanor Roosevelt. And I really want you guys all to remember that. Nobody can make you feel bad about something unless you give them the power to do so. And... So yeah, so I wanted to say, you know, if you've been riding with me this long, thank you so much for being here on this journey <laughs> for for this long. Um the next episode is going to be the last one for season 1. Um so it's going to be the season 1 finale. And I don't really have a topic planned for that episode quite yet. Um it may just be a random combination of things. Um but I do thank you guys for listening this far, if you're still listening. And I hope um, that the next season is even better and and brighter than this one. Um, and for anyone who... I want to make sure I, I plug this. Uh, for anyone who is considering, um, like doing more self-exploration stuff. Um, I am currently working through a workbook. Um, It's called the Self-Love Workbook. Um, I forget exactly the author's name. I don't have the book in front of me. Um, But they are a PhD uh, graduate person. And um, if you look it up on Amazon, it's a pink and blue cover, and it says the Self-Love Workbook on the front of it um, it's been really helpful for me, um, I use it, uh, with my therapist, so, like, I'll do the things in the book, and then talk to my therapist about it, so it's been really helpful for me to have some sort of, like, visual repre- representation of the work that I'm doing, um, also, if you don't, if that's not enough for you, and you want something else, um, or if that's not really your thing, um, you can always journal, just start a, or general journal, um, That just tracks your feelings about various things and see if you notice any patterns um any things that pop out at you um like themes and stuff like that and so yeah so those are two resources that um i want to throw out to you guys i'll probably um put the link to that book on the on the website um, so you guys can uh, find that book more easily Um, i may put some other recommendations on there as well for resources. So again, you guys, thank you for listening thus far, and I hope that you guys are all ready and prepared for the season finale. And I hope you guys have a great week. Um, and I will see you next weekend. Peace. Oh, before I forget, um, I do have a song for you guys uh, this week, and so. I will let you guys hear it. Um, it's a pretty powerful song. So sit back and enjoy. Listen
1: to the song here in my heart, a melody I start but can't complete. Listen. From deep within It's only beginning To find release Oh, the time has come For my dreams to be heard They will not be pushed aside and turned Into your own All cause you won't listen I